Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Yesterday was 11-11-23. It was, as you know it, Veterans Day. Um, Veterans Day, as you will see in this video, started right at the end of World War I. It was called Armistice Day. So I want to show you a video. Let's respond and thank all those who are veterans in the United States of America. Watch this video. Raise your right hand and repeat after me. I say your name. Do you solemnly swear? To support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies and domestic, and to bear true faith and allegiance to the same, then I will obey the orders of the President of the United States and the orders of those officers appointed over me according to regulations and the Uniform Code of Military Justice. So help me God. celebrate Veterans Day on the anniversary of the armistice that ended World War I, the armistice that began on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. The timing of this holiday is quite deliberate in terms of historical fact, but somehow it always seems quite fitting to me that this day comes deep in autumn when the colors are muted and the days seem to invite contemplation. It is, in a way, an odd thing to honor those who died in defense of our country, in defense of us, in wars far away. The imagination plays a trick. We see these soldiers in our mind as old and wise, but most of them were boys when they died, and they gave up two lives, the one they were living, 
and the one they would have lived. When they died, they gave up their chance to be husbands and fathers and grandfathers. They gave up their chance to be revered old men. They gave up everything for our country, for us. And all we can do is remember. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. In memory of those who gave the last full measure of devotion, may our efforts to achieve lasting peace gain strength. Let us make a vow to our dead. Let us show them by our actions that we understand what they died for. Strengthened by their courage, heartened by their value, and borne by their memory, let us continue to stand for the ideals for which they lived and died. Please remain standing. We're gonna, we're gonna pray. I wanna ask this one question. How many of you have had a family member, aunt, uncle, father, mother, niece, nephew, son, daughter, who've been in the service? Would you lift your hand? You can see most of us. You may put your hands down. Let's pray for those that have gone before. We're here today because someone gave their life. Don't ever forget that. Father, we're so grateful that you gave us the privilege of living in the United States of America. We didn't choose it, you did. We thank you for the many men and women who have gone before. We stand on their shoulders, we stand on their sacrifices. And we're here today to tell them thank you. And to say thank you, Lord, for giving us a nation of freedom. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to guard this great nation. You continue to put it on the hearts of men and women to serve you and to serve the nation. Let us all be public servants 
Let us all, Lord, give that which you've given to us to others. We thank you, Father, for those who have given their lives, their families. Encourage them, bless them, strengthen them. And we pray today, Lord, that you would send out a special blessing on the United States of America. We believe that America shall be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. That is a great segue for what I'm going to talk to you about today. We're going to talk about war. We're going to talk about spiritual things, natural things. I even dressed accordingly. This is a dragon. We are dragon slayers. This was made in the uh, mid-80s by my cousin Wendell Smith, and we got permission to replicate it. And uh, so you can actually, this isn't, I'm, I'm, I'm not marketing this, but you can get this at, for, you know, for a price, of course. But um, this is the story that's given to us in Revelations chapter 12, which I will read right now. And war broke out in heaven, Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, he accused them before our God, day and night, has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Three ways we overcome. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, which is our position. We are positioned. We have the position of being in Christ. You don't win because you're so good. We win because Jesus is so good. And so we, we, our position and our power is in Jesus Christ. But the word of our testimony tells us that we have some part in this. We have an action item here. It is a action point. It is a declaration. It is something that comes from your mouth. Notice it is from the mouth. It isn't from the hand. It isn't from the foot. It's from the mouth. The power of the universe and the battle of the universe is around your tongue. And the word of our testimony will give us overcoming power. The third thing is that we will not love our lives to the death. In other words, there is a passion and a commitment that must be made. And we see this today, that there is much happening all around us. The, it's interesting that the Bible speaks of this. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says, first the natural, then the spiritual. Right. Let me give you an illustration. How many of you watch the news or are engaged in any way in the news? Yeah. No hands go up. Okay. <laughs> many of you. You actually should. I know you don't want to get engaged all, all, as much as you, as, as you probably uh, would like to at some point, but the Bible says first the natural, then the spiritual. What does that mean? What you see in the natural is happening in the spiritual. 
Okay, so what you see happening in the world right now is happening in the spiritual realm. If there's war in the natural, there's war in the spiritual. Now we've seen what is happening around uh, Israel right now, around the Middle East. We can look at the activities on the earth in the natural and then know what is happening in the spiritual. And the Bible indicates to us that Israel is a signpost for the church. It is a signpost. In other words, it is indicative of what's happening in the life of the church. So there, there's a battle going on in the Middle East. And that battle is for land. God promised land to the Jews. In the natural, it's a temporal promise, but it's a commitment. It's a covenant. And he gave them the, the land. That's why others are coming to fight and grab, a, grab it, because they're anti-God. And so they're trying to take this. Don't let anybody tell you anything else. <sighs> I wish I was on TV telling people this all the time. Now, also, watch this. this. This is the very first, naturally, this is the very first location of the church on earth, in Jerusalem, in Israel, the very first location. Therefore, we know that there is a battle for the church today that is being fought in the heavenlies. There is a battle over Jerusalem. It's for the right of, the, of the whatever religion to take the mount. It is for the land of Jerusalem. That's why the Bible speaks, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because there's a, there's a need to pray for Israel, to pray for peace, to pray that God will be victorious there. So we know there's a battle going on in the church right now. There are missiles being lobbed at us. Don't, don't think otherwise. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit this hard today, okay? I'm just going to do it. Now, next you must understand that in the natural, wars are generally fought by young people. Young suicide bombers are, being, are strapping on their bombs on their bodies, setting them off. Those young men that came over the wall and were on those gliders and whatever they were doing, they were young men who had been trained. I saw a video that made me almost sick this week where Hamas was training five-year-olds in a school with guns and with a Jewish flag in school where they were, they were training them how to assassinate, how to go into schools and kill the young Jews. Now, this is being fought in the natural, yet we need to understand it's in the spiritual. These young people are giving their lives for a cause that they believe is worth their life, unfortunately. So today, let's look at the spiritual side. There's a call for God, by God, for young warriors who are willing to give their lives for the sake of the kingdom of God. I'm not saying strap something on your body. I'm talking about strap something on your spirit and go for God. This cause is much higher and greater. That's why Psalm 127, verse 4 and 5, says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. This is fascinating. This is why, oh, this is a good revelation. This is why they don't want you to have children. Wow, that was good. That's why they want to kill children. They, because you become a warrior with children. And so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with the enemies in the gate. In other words, they will assault and attack and be victorious. Isaiah 28, verse 5 says, In that day the Lord of hosts will be for a crown of glory and a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people, for a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and for strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. 
we're going to turn the back the battle at the gate. The gate is where the elders sit. The gate is where the leaders sit. It's where, where decisions are made. We're going to turn back the battle. We are taking back the enemy's territory. Genesis 22:17. 17, blessing I will bless you. In multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gate of their, in, their enemies. And in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. This was given to Abraham. It's the Abrahamic covenant. It's given to both natural and spiritual descendants. Matthew 16, 18. We know this scripture. I say it all the time. It says, and I also say to you that you are Peter on this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, I'm going to tell you something right now. Something you don't want to know. Something you probably wish you did not hear today. It's this. We are at war. You can put your head in the sand. You can walk away, do your Christian little thing. But you need to remember, we're at war. And we need to use the weapons of warfare against the enemy. He wants to kill you. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He comes with lying words to accost your spirit and your soul. But what does Jesus say about this? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not natural, but mighty through God are they pulling down strongholds. We bind the strong man and spoil his house. Whatever you bind on earth, it shall be bound in heaven. What that, that's a powerful word. Whatever I bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Wow. So we have a major role to play in this earthly chess match, which is going on right now between heaven and hell. We have become the enforcers of what God has declared in heaven. We're the executive branch of heaven right now. His word gives us direction as to what causes the enemy to flee and give us the victory. We just have to believe that we're at war because we are, and we need to then apply the war principles. One of the major scriptures on, on our part and power as Christians is Psalms 149, which I'll read in a few minutes. The ultimate warfare handbook is the Bible. It will tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it. The scripture has, and scripture will always talk about, this is interesting, most warfare is played out in worship. It's played out in worship. It's with our tongue. It's with our, our actions that we, that we apply. Worship is warfare. I'm going to tell you again, worship is warfare, and it will bind the enemy. Psalm 144, verse 1, it says, Blessed be the rock, my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Pastor Ken, don't talk to me about war. I just want to have peace. I just want to love everybody. And, well, you, you can apply the kingdom of God principles, but you have to understand we are at war. We're not at war against people. We're at war against spiritual principalities and power. You, just, you have to understand that, and they're after you. I'm going to give you a few illustrations to illustrate this. This is very interesting in Exodus chapter 17. It describes a battle that Israel had to fight soon after they left Egypt. They're in the desert now. They just left Egypt. And the Amalekites come after them. So they, they fought them out. They fought them off. And it, you have to understand that Israel had just received water. God had released water to them so they could have water in the desert. You need water in the desert, and they didn't have water. So God released it to them, 
And since everyone needs water in the desert, the Amalekites wanted the water that Israel had. Once the Israelites found, found water, the Amalekites found them. Spiritual principle. Amalekites never show up until water's around. What are Amalekites? The flesh. The more you ask God to water your life, the more likely it is that spiritual Amalekites will show up. So you better get ready. God watered us today. You better understand how to fight him off. Understand that every Israelite, now this is interesting with the background of this, every Israelite that was fighting in that battle had been raised a slave in captivity and they were forbidden to use any weapon. They didn't know how to be warriors. They were amateurs. They were untried warriors in, har in harm's way. They were fighting to defeat more experienced adversaries. And they were using unfamiliar weapons. But the great thing about this story is that God is the one that won the victory. If you remember that, Moses was up on the hill, and as long as Moses had his hands up, they won. When Moses' hands fell down, they lost. So Moses had to ha have his hands lifted up. Aaron and Hur jump in, and they hold up the, the arms of, of, of Moses. Now we have to understand, this is illustrative of, of, of prayer, of the need for prayer. Now I'm telling you, prayer will wear you out. That's why we have to have each other to encourage each other and lift each other up. Lift each other's hand in the midst of battle. You will go through battles with your family, with the church, even in the nation. But if we lift each other up, we will see the victory because God will give us the victory. By the time the Israelites finally crossed the Jordan to take the promised land, the doubting generation who left Egypt, who were the adults leaving Egypt, they were, who were born in slavery, they all passed away except for two. Joshua and Caleb. Wouldn't that be weird? All the people you grew up with, the two or three million, they're gone. You're the only two adults left in the room. They were replaced by the desert-born children, a generation that God had transformed in the desert into a nation of seasoned warriors. Generations later, a young boy named David would be raised up in Israel as a result of this activity of coming into the promised land, he would lead the largest, most deadly standing army in Asia Minor, his name, David. Anyone who dares to claim and fulfill the promises and purposes of God must become skillful in war. Not natural war, spiritual war. And any time you find water, Anytime you get into a spiritual setting and God begins to renew you and bless you and strengthen you, you can count on the Amalekites coming after you. But I'm telling you, if you will stay in the presence of God, the Amalekites will be defeated. What did, what did Moses do right after the Amalekites were defeated? Do you know what he did? He built an altar. He built an altar. He called the altar Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner. You see, whenever you run into resistance or suffer a surprise attack, build an altar by lifting up your hands and saying, Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord is my banner. We don't do things like that enough. We don't say things enough. We don't declare. We don't speak it. We need to do that. Don't fight the battle alone. It's not your battle. The battle is the Lord's. The victory is, the battle is, the Lord's. The victory is yours. 
So we need to wave the banner of God, Jehovah Nissi, release his power into this situation by upraised hands and obedience to his word. Second Corinthians 2, 9 says, uh, in order that no advantage be taken of us by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his schemes or devices. Many of the problems in our lives and churches arise because we are ignorant of Satan's devices and schemes. We don't realize he is after us. Stay aware of him. God also has devices, plans, strategies, schemes. God has a master strategy and an individual strategy for each one of us. We, we tend to need a perspective transplant. We need to live in heavenly places. Ephesians 2, 6, we are seated in heavenly places. So we need to be looking down from that situation. Have a transplant look. Look at things from heavenly perspective, heavenly places. Don't look at it, look at it in earthly ways. The enemy wants you wants to keep your focus turned away from God's strategy for his, for his conquest. We must focus on God who teaches our hands to war. Now, do you know the, U, the United States Treasury Department trains their agents how to deal with counterfeit money by fo focusing exclusively on the real stuff. They don't touch counterfeit. They only touch the real. So when the counterfeit is inserted, they know exactly because they know the feel. We need to be the same way. God is trying to get us focused on the real. But the world wants us to focus on the counterfeit. God is saying, I want to teach your hands to war. I want to teach you to battle. And the training is a process. It's a progression from small to large and then, then big things. Jeremiah 12.5 says, if you run with footmen and they have tired you out, then how can you compete with horses? If you fall down in a land of peace, how will you do in the floodplain of the Jordan? Let me say it this way. If you, have, if you have not had battle experience, God is going to give you some. You say, I don't want to be a war and I don't want battle experience. Well, I'm sorry. It's happening. God teaches your hands to war by letting you go through situations and difficulties that force you to overcome by using tools and abilities beyond your own strength and ability that are spiritual in nature that God will teach you. Judges 3, this is interesting. Judges 3, verse 1. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to test Israel by them. That is, all who had not experienced any of the wars of Canaan, only in order that the generations of the sons of Israel might be taught war. Those who had not experienced it formally. What does it say? The Lord left them there. He wouldn't do that. The Lord left them there. The Lord will leave certain things around you so you can learn how to, how to receive victory, how to defeat the enemy. The Lord left him there so they could be taught war. That's what he did. Most of us expect just to learn by, oh, I'm going to go to Sunday school class and I'm going to learn this. It's going to be wonderful. And we just, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will God left enemies in the land just so he could test all the Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. The only way to learn warfare is through tests and trials. Now, the Hebrew word for teach, this is interesting. Are you still with me? The Hebrew word for teach is lamad. 
It means to exercise in and to goad, to goad, as if encouraging cattle. If you've ever been a rancher, sometimes you need to have a cattle prod or some kind of ox prod to move the cattle through an unfamiliar gate or to, so that they will pull a plow. And it is this word that is used in the, in the uh, Hebrew here is much stronger than our teaching word. It's to move something with goading them. And that's what God is trying to do. We do have warfare. We do have weapons. We do have enemies and we do have foes. Our weapons of warfare are not natural. And the enemies are not our bosses. They're not our spouses. They're not political candidates. They're not neighbors. They're not the leaders in our community. The real power is in the heavenlies. And that's where we need to see that that's where the warfare is. First Chronicles 11.10. Now these are the heads of the mighty men whom David had, who gave him strong support in his kingdom, together with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. What was the goal and the purpose of these mighty men around David? What was their purpose? To make David king. To make, that's what this scripture says. To make David king. What should be the goal of the church? To make Jesus king. In other words, to extend the kingdom of Jesus over all the land. That's our goal. And, and it's going to take some warfare to reach that goal. David trained his men the old-fashioned way. He was called by conducting war. Do you know the only time, that the time that David sinned was when he didn't go to war? In our war, we won't be asked to wield a sword. We may be asked to be a worshiper, an intercessor, a prayer, a children's mentor. I mean, the list goes on. A discipler. All those things are war activity. Now, I just, Rebecca, bless, are you here, Rebecca? She's, she's over there. Rujulio, is she in there right now? She is the best. She's the best. The grandkids only want to go to Rebecca. They just want to go to Rebecca. 22 years. Do you realize there are 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds in this church that were discipled and mentored by Rebecca? She's a hero. Wow. From the battlefield to the tabernacle, David trained and directed highly trained, proven men who were skilled in their particular discipline. They were men of renown by reason of use and through hard-won experience and action. In other words, you need to refine your skill and gifting. If you're going to be a warrior, you will need some experience in war by reason of use. God is a wise trainer. He doesn't drop you into the hottest and most sophisticated battle right away. He begins our training by overcoming small obstacles and spiritual opponents and then moves you on to larger things. You know, it's like David, the lion, the bear, the giant, and then the nation. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Do you think I got here where I am overnight? It started when I was a teenager and younger. And God begins to move you. God begins to train you. God begins to give you by, by reason of your senses being trained. And that's what we will do. God will not permit you to go on to maturity and bypass any grade. 
You don't skip grades in the kingdom. You say, well, what if I don't like it? Well, have a nice time in that grade. You won't get past that till you pass the grade. David and his kingdom and his warfare encountered and reached more boundaries. In other words, he stretched out Israel to the furthest extent of Israel's time ever when he was in rule. Any other king of Israel, it was David. Why David? Why David, you ask? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> this happened, I believe, because the primary aspect of David's kingdom was worship and praise. He established what they called the Tabernacle of David, a 24-hour praise and worship. They had three sets of worshipers. Every eight hours, they would change. David, when he needed a word from God, he'd go in the back of the tent. He'd sit down. God began to they'd be worshiping and praising. God would get his, give revelation to him. He would go out. He'd fight the battle. He stretched the boundaries of Israel by the word of the Lord in worship. That's how he got his strategy. It is phenomenal what God can do through praise and worship. If, listen, if the music David played on a single instrument literally drove evil spirits away from King Saul, then we need to wage spirit-led warfare by worshiping God and playing on our instruments or whatever it is you have. This is a fascinating scripture. Isaiah 30, verse 30. And the Lord will cause his voice of authority to be heard. For, the, for at the voice of the Lord, Assyria will be terrified. And when he strikes with the rod, now listen to this, and every blow of the rod of punishment, which the Lord will lay on him, speaking of Assyria, will be with the music of tambourines and lyres, and in battles, brandishing weapons, he will fight them. You didn't catch it. There are certain postures of worship that actually constitute eternal significant warfare under the orchestration of the Holy Spirit. What he's saying there, that God would begin to employ punishment on the evil, not on the, that was on their nation and the natural, but we're talking about spiritual things. It was employed through the music of tambourines. Tambourines and lyres. That is the beat of a song. That is the recognition. The tambourine is the precursor of all the modern drums that we have today. It was used to establish the rhythm and the cadence of what was taking place. It was the rhythm of battle. It was the declaration that we are winning this war. And in our worship, we will have a, a worship that we do like we did today. Worship, now, the, the, we don't, Christians just don't get it. Worship isn't for entertainment. Worship isn't to have your special favorite song come through. Worship is to employ us in the kingdom, in the spiritual sense, all together in one accord, sending these, these tools to God to destroy the enemy. That's what it's for. But we go to Christian worship concerts. Now, I know, and I, I know, I go to them too, and I like the worship, etc. But you know, worship is basically warfare. It's warfare. Do you know years ago I did a study on worship, yeah. on sounds? Yeah. Scientifically, sounds turn into light. Yeah. And when we, I, I would love for us to get a vision of this. Yeah. I would like God to unveil this thing and, and show us when we worship the light show that happens outside. Yes. You think July 4th is good? Yeah. 
Come on, come on. Are you believing what I'm saying? This is what scripture indicates. Hallelujah. So what we do is we, we have this kind of worship, but in worship we, all, we, we, also, uh, we also listen to the Holy Spirit and obey. For example, Moses was worshiping God when he obeyed and extended his hand over the Red Sea. He's worshiping God. God said, extend your hand. He extended his hand, so he obeyed, obeyed. It's interesting what you get in worship. Elijah was worshiping God when three times he ordered the crowd to throw more water on the wooden sacrifice stacked on the rebuilt altar of God when he was against the prophets of Baal. God said, pour more water. Okay, God, whatever you say. That was in worship. He got that in worship. To obey is better than sacrifice. The Holy Spirit will from time to time as we worship tell us, us, tell us to do certain things. Ephesians 6, 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against spiritual principalities and powers, against the world forces of this darkness. This struggle is partly conducted, and I think mainly conducted, through our worship and praise. Worship and praise must be connected to prayer. Prayer must be connected to praise and worship. Here's what I, I found out about praise and worship. Praise and worship is like an EA-6B radar jamming plane that goes in and destroys and takes out all the radar of the enemy. It actually clears the airwave of everything. So when we begin to pray, prayer is easy. Prayer is the word of God going to its mark. And so what, what they have to be joined. They're like kissing cousins in a sense. You know, prayer and worship. They must be joined together. And so we see that this is happening. Psalm 149. Interestingly enough, David thought praise and worship was so important, he ended up the whole book of Psalms with praise and worship. Yeah. Psalm 149, put it up. Praise the Lord, sing to the Lord a new song. And it's praise in the assembly of saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with the dance. Let them sing praises to him with the timbrel and the harp. That's with the drums and the music instruments. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble with salvation. That happens in praise and worship. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praise of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. To execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron. To execute upon them the written judgment, the judgment that God writes in the Bible. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. This isn't just for me. It's for all of us through praise and worship. We are to execute vengeance on the nations and the kings and punishments on their people. Now, God is not interested, nor am I interested in binding the king of Sweden, binding the king of, Israel, of, of England or whatever. Earthly kings don't hold the real power. We're after the real power behind the thrones and governments of the earth. Don't be deceived. Now, listen to me carefully. Don't be deceived by the events taking place in your hometown, your Ro in Rome, Jerusalem, Washington. The real powers are not sitting in the houses of Congress or in the parliaments, even military headquarters. The real powers in the heavenlies, and they manipulate earthly powers. Pickets and picketing don't affect real powers. Now, let me tell you something. You can always see Oh, this is so good. You can see in the natural when God has a victory. Recently, we had the greatest victory 
in our lifetime and you, most of you just kind of ignored it. You didn't know this. The Speaker of the House is a born again, powerful, mighty man of God. He's a Christian. You Google him and look what he says. He says, if you wanna know my worldview, read the Bible. Whoa. Now, it was a miracle. It was a miracle that he came in. It was like, uh, like uh, Samuel going to Jesse, asking for his sons. And he comes in, oh, I've been in that. No, not him. No, not him. Not him. No, not him. Don't you have any more sons? Yeah, there's one on the backside of the desert. He's just kind of working out there. And bring him here. So he brought him here. It was David. Mike Johnson is a David. I'm telling you, you can see what we had a victory. You and you, we just kind of, oh, that's nice. God did a nice little work. Do you know he's third in line to be president? Now, and then I saw a video of him this, this week. He was leading the whole Congress in prayer. He was doing the praying. They were standing behind him. That's the kind of man of God we need leading. Now, that tells you, look in the natural, we'll tell you in the spiritual, our prayers actually began to make a difference. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ah. Principalities and powers are not intimidated when we do just kind of sewing lessons and have potlucks, or that's why Chris doesn't like potlucks, I guess. <laughs> Church activities that have little or nothing to do with the realm of the spirit don't bother the demonic realm. But if you decide to have a prayer meeting or an extended worship meeting or a healing service, whoa, the enemy's put on the defensive. The book of Revelation tells us that an angel will bind Satan with a great chain for a thousand years. So when we cooperate with the Holy Spirit, singing, praising, worshiping, God, according to his instructions, God then can whip a chain around one demonic power. He can sl slap something else with another one, slash another one with the flaming word of his spirit. Well, you know what God is saying? Give me another high praise. Come on, give me another high praise. I wanna slap that demon. How's God gonna do this? I'm giving you a quick, spiritual, uh, uh, theological thing today. I hope you catch it. Ephesians 3, 9 says, And to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church, the ecclesia, to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Did you get what that said? We have the privilege of telling the spiritual principalities and powers that God is in charge. Now, we're not addressing them. We're just taking care. We're just raising up a standard of worship and prayer. And that's, that this scripture tells us that the manifold wisdom of God will come through us and declare who is really in charge. We've been waiting for God to speak from the heavens and God's been waking, waiting for us to speak. God says, I, I want to speak through you individually, together. It's my church. You know, the problem in the cities is not gangs. It is the principality. It's a spiritual darkness that is manipulating the gangs. That means the solution is not just another particular program. You can imp implement programs and it might work for a little bit, of big, but if you don't take the, the demon out, it won't work. 
That's why homelessness is the problem. That's why they don't know what to do. These political people, I just about used a word that I shouldn't, so. <laughs> They're not very smart when it comes to this kind of thing. The answer lies in the heavenlies. It's over them. If you don't address the heavenlies, the gangs will proliferate. So when we worship together in unity and agreement for the purpose of destroying these, these devils, we will discover great victories and I think supernatural victory. I can see God destroying his inner, inner enemies by the beat of music. I think God likes drums. Aiden, are you up there? Uh, music people, get up here. Do you realize that God uses your praise, your worship, as a weapon? He's probably saying, man, I can use that one. Give me another one. Give me another one. Throw me a higher one. Now, a few years ago, actually quite a few years ago, see, the world gets this. The world gets this. Why does the world get it? Because Satan, Lucifer, was the covering cherub of worship. When he was kicked out of heaven, he didn't lose his musical ability. He came down to earth with it. He wants to bring you into slavery through his kind of music. Now, so the world kind of gets this. So I'm going to illustrate something. I'm going to illustrate something. Um, there was a powerful British rock group, Queen, that, if, that their music actually affected large crowds around the world. It became the song at sporting events. It features the world, the words, we will we will rock you. Put it up, Joe. I don't want to get too natural here. It, it, you, you get into a stadium with everybody doing that? Now, watch this. Watch this. This is even, this, this, I personally experienced this. I'm going to tell the story, Chris. A few years ago, our family and a few others, including Mark, we went to a football game in Washington, D.C. between Boise State and Virginia Tech. We were at FedEx Stadium. We walked in the stadium, 80,000 people. There were maybe eight, 10,000 of us Boise State people. We felt like little ants. And we didn't know. We didn't know this was going to happen. He's up in the top of the stadium. Come, come, we got to tell the story, Mark. So he's up at the top. We're down kind of more in the field area. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, they started playing this song, Sandman. Enter the Sandman. Play it. Play it. It was, it was playing. Now, I'm going to show you what happened. They started doing it. Look, Mark was in the top. What do you think was going to happen? I thought the stadium was going to fall. I was scared. If I hadn't trusted in our Broncos, I'd have probably ran and left the facility. Okay, thanks, Joe. <laughs> Isn't it true? There's something about the beat of music. There's something about the sound of music. God employs it to destroy the enemy. Now, the world uses it for their purpose. I mean, it, it stirred Chris up so much he wanted to tear his shirt and go out and beat the enemy, you know? At least that's what you used to tell me. Are you getting this? In the hands of God, 
Any form of worship or praise that we give to him becomes lethal to the purposes of Satan. At Jericho, God used the sound of trumpets. Oh, I love trumpets. And a single great shout from his people to re actually reconfigure the molecular makeup of Jericho's massive walls, and they totally collapse into the ground. God sent Jehoshaphat against the enemy, armed only with one song. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. And they sang it, and they sang it. I can, it had to be a beat like that, you know? But the power is not resident in the song. It is in the arm and hand of the one who wields it as a sword. If it is sung in obedience to God from the heart, God can use it to destroy all the enemies in the heavenlies. God likes doing things to music. Job 38.7 says, God tells Job that while he laid the earth's cornerstone, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, God is describing in this scripture creation that was occurring. While creation was occurring, the sons of God were singing, they were shouting, they had great joy, they were worshiping. In other words, creativity occurs during praise and worship. If you want to get a word from God, if you want to get a creative invention, get into worship. And I'm telling you, we live in a day when we have all the devices we, that we have. We can go to worship at any time. We can turn our, our mobile phones on. I mean, you have thousands of worship songs available to you. We should be filling the airwaves. <sighs> God loves music because God himself is music. He created it. And Satan understands music because he was the covering cherub of music. But God is trying to tell the church, music, the very gift that Satan wants to use to destroy truth and send people to hell, I will use to destroy his works in the earth. Now, this is why. When you operate in praise and worship, you actually are telling the enemy you have taken his place. In other words, God didn't create another overcoming and overseeing cherub or seraph, as the Bible calls him. What did he do? He raised up the church. You are the covering worship around the throne of God. Wow. Whoa. Be careful, man. Things are going to happen around here. I'm telling you if, you, if we can catch this, this is why it's so very important that we get into this. We, we cannot overestimate the power and impact of our spiritual songs, our singing, our spiritual melodies. They have the power over darkness. Chris was mentioning this a couple weeks ago in, in Ephesians chapter 5 where it says to be filled with the Spirit, speaking in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. What happens? There's something happens in our spirit. We're filled with the Spirit, but that spiritual effort goes in light waves, in sound waves, and it begins to destroy the works of the evil one. People say it's just a simple song. No, God says our song is a symphony of praise and it will, it will bring a dirge of destruction to the enemy. Well, people say it's just clapping of hands. No, God says in the heavenly realm, it's not just a clap, it's a thunderclap. It's bringing fear to the enemy. Well, people say stomping the feet is just a silly thing. No, but God says that after the stomping of feet, it shakes the foundations of hell, creating fissures or large cracks in hell itself. 
But people say the waving of their hands, their flags is just a silly thing. But God says, no, the waving of your hands is a signal to the enemy of his intimate defeat and a wave offering to the Lord. Come on, when we sing, we praise, we worship God together. Something takes place in the spiritual dimension that we can't see. Our singing isn't just singing. Our worship isn't just worship. Our clapping is not just clapping. I think a slaughter needs to happen in the heavenlies. And it will only happen when the church gets a hold of this. Worshipers, you need to come up to another level. Prayers, intercessors, you need to come up to another level. Those who serve and are public servants and, and those who are in different gifts and callings in the church, come up to another level. God has another level for you. I close with this. Oh, I could go on. This is just, I have so many notes. I close with this. Can I just tell you, this is my wheelhouse. If, if I had one thing I'd like to do, God, you're hearing me. If there's one thing I'd like to do in the, in the church, in the kingdom of God, you know what it is? Lead worship. I'd rather do that than anything. That's what I used to do. That was my role. I just love it. I love playing the trumpet, singing, worshiping, the sounds of harmony. Oh, my word. Come on. Come on. I close. 2 Chronicles 20. It says, and when they began singing and praising, the Lord set ambushes against the sons of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and the enemy was routed and defeated. Who set the ambushes? It's not a trick question. Who set the ambushes? The Lord set the ambushes. When did he set the ambushes? When his people began to sing and praise him. That's when he did it. What were they saying? Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. Praise the Lord. And they just went on and on and on. I can imagine the beat starting. Aiden, are you back there yet? Can you give us a little beat here? Come on, just... Oh, come on. No, give us something strong here. Come on. Come on. What does that do? That gives you the cadence of victory. Praise God. So isn't it about time for us to set some lethal ambushes? Haven't you had enough of Satan's grief, harassment, his assault against you? We must give God the weaponry, and that's your praise and worship our prayers and see what God will do. I'm going to have you stand. I want, to, I want you to do something. I want you to start, and when I say go, I want you to clap for 30 seconds. I want you to clap. I don't want, to say, I don't want you to say anything with your mouth. And then at 30 seconds, when I raise my hand, I want you to shout and clap. Are you ready? No, this is called a teruah. This is what happened to Jericho. Are you ready? Okay, one, two, three, let's clap, let's clap.
we declare this to be a house of victory. We declare this to be a house of praise and worship. We declare that the enemy is defeated. He will come against us one way, but he will have to flee seven ways. Oh God, let your enemies be scattered in Jesus' name. I pray that the, the limitations, the harassments, the assault of the enemy against individuals and families in this house, it must cease in Jesus' name. We bind you in Jesus' name. And we declare the loosing of the Holy Spirit. We, we declare the loosing of God by God Almighty. Let it happen now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Je Jesus. 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 Jesus.
go on. Now, you don't know this. That song was written in the midst of a storm. A little boy was in the hospital predicted to die. A church began to pray for him. And in the middle of that, this song was given to a worship leader who now sings it around the world. It's a victory song. We're gonna raise a hallelujah. Okay, lift your hands now. Lift your hands and begin to shout once more. Begin to shout to the Lord. Declare his goodness. Hallelujah! your hand in your heart right now. Father, we received the word of the Lord. We received a, a new passion for your instruments of warfare. We receive a new revelation of praise and worship. We receive a new induction into prayer and intercession. Lord, we receive that which you offer to give to us and let the enemy be slaughtered before us in Jesus' name. We declare it, we decree it in Jesus' name. Lord, if we seal it by the hand on our heart, give it to all of us in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.